1: And now, here's your host.
0: Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I want to do something a little different. So, in the past, I've always managed to edit my podcasts. I record them, I take a little time and effort, and I edit them up. And to be honest with you, one of the things that kills me is that editing process. It just takes so long to do, and I don't I'm thinking about it and I'm realizing that I really don't need to do it. I spend more time re-listening to myself and just making some small edits rather than just going through it. So I'm going to try something different today and just do a podcast where I don't make any edits to it. So maybe you'll hear a difference, maybe you won't, I don't know, but we'll see how it comes together. On the podcast itself, what I wanted to talk about was some part of Disney planning and it really has to do with sort of that value proposition of staying on Disney property or off Disney property. And I got to thinking about this because the uh, new train service that's coming, the Brightline train that's going to run between Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm, and Orlando will allow me to get easily from Fort Lauderdale up to the Orlando area and then be able to go to the theme parks. But it won't leave me with a car up there. So that changes sort of the, the mix and the function of what I do. And the reason I came up with this kind of going back a little bit here, is that my brother called me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, I've got some frequent flyer miles that are expiring. I want to come down to Disney World for a couple of days. I want to spend a total of maybe four days. So come one day down, spend two days in the parks, and then leave the fourth day. So I'd be spending three nights in, the, in a hotel. And what I want to do is I want to be able to have theme park tickets for me and my two boys and be able to stay in the hotel for those three nights. And I want the whole thing to cost under a $1,000 exclusive of food but including transportation. And so I'm like, wow, gauntlet thrown. I'm I'm up for the challenge. Let's see what we can do. So we started thinking through options and what he can do, and it got me to thinking about the bigger picture. So here's the here's the challenge. If you fly into Orlando Orlando International Airport, you have to be able to get from the airport to the Disney area. Now, if you decide to stay off-property, That means that you either have to take uh, one of four modes of transportation. You either have to take an Uber, which is going to cost you maybe $20 to $30 for however many people you can fit in the car. You have to take one of the uh, transportation services, like, for example, the Mirrors Transportation, that costs about $15 to $20 a person. So, you know, you're talking about somewhere in the $60 range to be able to get down to the uh, theme park area. And then you, uh, or you can take a taxi, which is going to cost you about fifty dollars, fifty-five dollars, something like that. So those are your three big options. Your fourth option is to use the Lynx bus service, which is Orlando's bus service. Uh, it's LYNX if you want to check it out, and they do have bus stops at various locations, starting at the airport and heading out, so you can get down to the to the Disney area. But remember that you're kind of bound by a bus and you may have to change buses depending on where you want to go and so forth. And the bus schedule is what it is. And if you've got luggage with you, that's a bit of a challenge. So, you know, you kind of have to keep all of that in mind when you're trying to decide what you want to do and where you want to go. So that's thing one. The alternative is to stay on Disney property and take the Magical Express from the airport down to uh, the Disney property and go right to your resort hotel. So that's a, you know, in some ways it's a more attractive option but the cost of doing business is higher. Now, something that interesting that happened in the last few days was that Disney introduced they're going to charge for parking at the Disney Resort hotels for overnight parking. Now, this makes absolutely no sense to me. I can't put a handle around why Disney wants to add parking fees to people parking at the hotel. So if I'm staying at a value resort, they're gonna charge me, I think it was, I think the number was $13 a night, but I'll just say 15 for the for the example. It was a little bit more for a uh, one of the moderate resorts it was maybe a closer to 20 and then for a uh, uh, deluxe resort it was closer to 25 for the night so they're going to charge you more depending on what resort you're staying at and they'll just add it to your folio for every night that you stay they'll charge you that amount now they do let you have the theme park the theme park parking for free. So you can drive your car from there, the hotel over to the theme park and you don't have to pay to park in, in the theme park. So, you know, relatively speaking, you're spending the $15 to stay in a value resort, uh parking lot overnight, but then you're saving the $20 to park at the gate. So, you know, I kind of get that that's a wash almost, but it is kind of weird. It doesn't really make sense to me. I don't know why they're adding that fee on there. Why not essentially just raise the hotel price by a percentage, two, three percent, and just take up the extra money and just call that your parking fee? And you're just assessing it in there without calling it something, without putting a name on it. So anyway, that's uh, that's an extra little wrinkle that has to figure into your value proposition. So back to the dilemma, I'm at the airport and I have to come to either decide to take the Magical Express and stay on Disney property and... uh, Uh, work my way through the Disney property and then use the bus service, monorail service, whatever, to get to where I want to go, and that's fine. Or I have to take one of these other modes of transportation and stay off property and get a lower hotel price so I can make a decision about which one I want to do. Now, in the case where I'm coming from the airport, I don't have a car, so that cost doesn't figure in there. So then it's the challenge of, okay, I can find a hotel that's maybe a good neighbor hotel that's in the area around Disney that then I can use uh, to get from – then I can find a way to get from that hotel into the theme park I want to go to. Now, there are a couple of ways that I can do that. I can either take, again, the bus service. That's the uh, public transportation bus that comes from uh, around somewhere near the hotel, and I can look at the bus locations and find a hotel that's near one of those bus locations, and then take the bus up to the, uh, the I think the uh, bus terminals, I think one of them is downtown Disney. I think there's one or two other ones, excuse me, Disney Springs. And I think there's one or two other ones around uh, in the area, but I'm not sure exactly where they go. I'd have to look at the bus schedule to see, but they do go nearby. So at least you can get around the area and be able to get to somewhere. So you take the bus and you get from one point to another, and then you figure out how to get you know around from there. Now, the challenge with that, of course, is it's going to cost a couple of bucks a person to ride it each way. It comes like every 20 minutes during the day, so it's not so hard, but it takes a little while to get there, and then you still have to route yourself from wherever you're let off into the theme park you want to go to. So that's maybe not the most efficient way to do it. You can, of course, take an Uber or a taxi from the hotel to the theme park, and there's no parking fee because you're just being dropped off. So you can save the money that way, but you're still going to spend, you know, 10 to $15 to go from the hotel to the theme park. So, you know, a wash again to parking. So, you know, that's, that's the way you kind of have to look at it. Which way is better if I'm going to do that, if I don't have a car? And so, again, if you're staying at a Disney hotel, you're taking the Magical Express over, you're in the hotel, now you can just use Disney's transportation service to get exactly where you want to go. And while it may take a while, you don't have to worry about it. Now of course there is another option I didn't mention, and that would be renting a car at the airport. And renting a car at the airport for you know three or four days is probably going to cost you 100, 125 dollars, something like that. So the value proposition may be there to to rent the car, but then you've got to pay. There's some tolls that uh, co- occur between the uh, airport, and the Disney property. Now you're going to have to pay that nightly fee to park the car, but you do have the flexibility of driving around, which are all huge things. So you kind of have to weigh them against each other to figure out which is the most efficient for you based on your party size, how much time you have to get around, and what's the the easiest way for you to do it. So we went back and forth, my brother and I, and we figured out that the easiest way was going to be for him to stay. There was a hotel we found that was near Disney Springs, that uh, was a reasonable price for the three nights. He could get the theme park tickets. He could essentially walk to the uh, Disney Springs area and then route his way from there. So it wasn't so bad. And the, the hotel itself did offer shuttle service um, like twice a day between the hotel and the theme park. So, you know, but you have to be on it at the right time. So if the shuttle to Magic Kingdom, let's say, leaves at 745 and 845, those are your two choices. And you have to be back on it whatever time that comes back. If it comes back at five o'clock and seven o'clock, you've got to pick one of those and be on it. Otherwise, you miss it and you have to take a taxi or something back. So, we kind of figured that out, and it seemed like the best deal and value. And he was going to be right at the thousand dollars, including, you know, they have a little resort fee there, but it wasn't a huge amount. So, it was, you know, it was going to be like, I want to say it was a little over a hundred a night for the three nights, you know, three hundred bucks plus the tickets themselves. It was gonna be just under a thousand dollars the way we worked it out. But it still left him with having to figure out how to get to the theme parks, you know, and figure that the logistics of that out. And it takes a little longer. Only spending two days in the parks, you want to make sure you maximize your time. So we we kind of figured that out and we were like, yeah, maybe that'll work. And then he went and he, he uh, started looking at the Disney website. He wanted to see if there was any offers that they, were, that they had. And he wound up calling the Central Reservations office and found out that he could get a deal that got him the uh, couple of nights in a hotel on Disney property and would actually uh, include the theme park tickets as part of the package. And he got it for about $1,100 to stay at the Coronado Springs and it included the transportation to the hotel on the magical express. So in all, it worked out to be just a little bit more than he wanted to spend, but it actually turned out to be fairly efficient and made it made the things come together a little bit better. So as he kind of thought it through, he's like, "Look, I'm going to spend a little bit over my budget, but I'll still get to do what I want to do. We'll just cut out one, you know, sit-down meal and just do more counter service and we'll offset the 100 dollars that way." So it makes sense, right? And it kind of worked out in some way, and he got kind of lucky because Coronado Springs, because of the construction that's going on, they had some reduced room rates, so it, and he was booking it kind of close in, so he was able to work it out and make it work. Now, it worked for him. Will it work for everybody? Not necessarily. And you kind of have to decide what things that you want, whether it's the cost, whether it's the Disney experience, whether it's the magic, whatever it is that makes you tick and makes you want to think about staying in Disney property or not, just to be able to go to the parks, or perhaps you want to spend some time at Universal and some time at Disney, you might want to think about how you plan your trip accordingly so that you make the most of your trip. Now, I would throw a shout out in here to you uh, to one of the um, Disney authorized travel agents, because they do some servicing where they they 'll help you to find the best uh, situation for you based on all the things they know about Disney property, based on what they know about some of the other resort hotels in the area, and so forth and they 'll help you find a solution that may work for you so that 's part of it right You can certainly call them and you know find one that you that you like and talk to them. They try to personalize and tailor their services to try and make it work for you, so perhaps you, you'll find one that works. Now, for me, I wanted to have the adventure of trying to figure it out because I started thinking about what's it going to be like for me on the, in the day, not too long in the future, where this high-speed rail does go up there and I don't have to drive anymore. What would I do? And it comes down to that same thing. Now, the new parking fee makes me wonder just a little bit, kind of stepping out of that for just a moment. With the additional amount they're charging for parking, the value proposition just changed. So if I have to spend $100 a night if I'm driving to stay at a value resort, and I'm spending the $15 for staying in a, uh, leaving my car in the parking lot overnight. So as opposed to staying in a much nicer hotel chain that's outside of Disney property that has bigger rooms, nicer amenities, And only charges maybe $80 a night or $90 a night, and I have to pay the $20 to park my car in the Magic Kingdom parking lot. Is that a better value for me? Because essentially, they've drifted, they've they've lifted some of the magic out of what the uh, resort hotels are now by charging for parking. I know it's trivial, but it matters, right? It's these little things, it's this nickel and diming that starts to matter and add up. And that's what uh, kind of troubles me a little bit is some of these things where you start to think about, well, what is it that, that I'm paying for here? And the, honestly, the value resorts, they're not, I mean, they're, they're nice. They give you some of the magic, but they're not spectacular. They're just nice. So it'd be, it's better in some ways to stay off property if you can, rather than staying in those hotels. Now, I do it. I'll do a mix of things every time I go, depending on what the best value is for me. Some people only stay off property in certain brands of hotels and some people will only stay on property in the Disney hotels. It really depends on each individual and you need to think about what's what's important to you as you make your decision about how you'd like to plan your trip. So anyway, I imagine my brother is probably there with his kids uh, as we speak as you're listening to this podcast. I'm sure he's there having a great time. He'll tell me all about it when he gets back. But the other fun part to this This uh, process was helping him to plan which days to go to which parks. Now, he was only planning on spending two days in the theme parks. So he had to pick two of the parks he wanted to go to because he decided he didn't want to do the park hopping. And I'm cool with that. Whatever works for him. So he decided on Magic Kingdom and Epcot. And for the Magic Kingdom, uh, the Thursday that he was going to be there worked out to be the best day. They had the longest hours. It made the most sense. And a Thursday is a good day to go to the Magic Kingdom. So he planned that up. And he started thinking about you know what things he wanted to get fast passes for, and I was giving his, giving him some tips on how to use my magic the uh, my Disney Experience app, and how to uh, work through it and how to set up his fast passes and do some things in there because now that he's staying at a resort hotel, another little bonus that's hidden in there, he could start booking his fast passes right away rather than having to get the, the media in his hands. So it actually made that a little bit easier, and he could start doing some planning. So he started thinking about what are the things he wanted to do that he wanted to be able to see. And book his three fast passes so he started to work that out and figure out which things he wanted to do and have some fun with it so we were having a little fun going back and forth and talking about things he could do and then the next day he wanted to go to epcot and the question at epcot is what does he want to do what fast passes does he want to get there and to me there are three big things you want to see at epcot frozen ever after uh the the ride that's over there in the norway pavilion Soren, which is like just a classic amazing attraction the way you soar over the world And uh, test track. And unfortunately, all three of them are in the same tier. So I'm like, well, you should go for the Frozen one because that's the hardest one to get. And it's always got the longest wait times. So he managed to get a fast pass for Frozen. And I suggested to him that he use um, his time to go over in Soren. Just keep checking the app to see when the wait time is the lowest. You might even find toward the end of the night, it's fairly low and you can go over to it. So he'll try and do that. And maybe he'll get a fast pass for it. Maybe it'll work out um, after he rides on the Frozen attraction. So we kind of went through that, and we talked about, you know, how to uh, plan his day to be there. Now, one thing that I suggested to him that he should do is take advantage of the Agent P experience in Epcot. It's a heck of a lot of fun to walk around and help Agent P uh, fight doofenshmirtz, and uh, I really enjoy it. And when I went up with my kids in January, I noticed that the kiosks were all closed, and I was like, oh, maybe they did away with the experience. Maybe they're planning on something else. But we were doing so many other things, I never stopped to ask anybody about it, and I probably should have. But we did a lot of other things, so I don't feel bad about it. We did the, pretty much the entirety of the Agent P experience over time. They still enjoy doing it, but we've been to all the countries and done it. So I was standing there and thinking to myself, hmm, you know, I wonder if it went away. And I didn't really give it much thought until the other day when I read about the fact that they had done away with the kiosks because they're not handing out the devices anymore. Instead, they're suggesting that you use your own phone. And you uh, go to a website and then it'll use location-based services to figure out where you are and interact with you in much the same way that that the phones that they handed out did. And I'm like, oh, totally cool. If I'd have known that, we would have gone and used it. So I may have to go back and take the kids and we'll do it again. But I will put a link to the location on my show notes page. So if you do go back and you want to check it out. You can just go to the website and start right off and have some fun. You pick the country you're in, and you go around and you just enjoy the experience of uh, following uh, Perry the platypus as he goes around to the different countries and takes on, tries to take on different smurfs. And you get to hear from Major Monogram and uh, Carl, and uh, there's a little bit from Phineas and Ferb and Candace in there too. So it's kind of cool. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Those, that's a one, one of the things that I really like at Epcot is that particular piece about having some fun going around and uh, helping Agent P., so I highly recommend that you uh, that you do that, and I recommended it to him as well. Now, the other thing was thinking about food and where he could go. We talked about you know some of the counter-service places that make the most sense, where you have the most uh, variety of foods, you have the things that his kids would like, that he would like, whatever, and you kind of pick those things. And if you do want to do a sit-down meal, uh, try and do it for lunch. A lot of places charge less for lunch than they do for dinner. Some places have all-day dining, which is the same price somewhere in between the high and the low prices. But the places that have a lunch menu, they're going to be a little bit less expensive if you want to sit down for a meal. I did suggest the uh, Be Our Guest restaurant, but he wasn't able to get a Fast Pass for it. He's going to try and get one again. I don't know if he'll get one, but he's going to try and get one. Uh, I guess it's an advanced dining, not a Fast Pass. But he was going to try and get into it to be able to see it uh, and enjoy it for a lunch meal. So uh, that was kind of cool. And we talked about some of the other things that he could do uh, as far as uh, counter service restaurants and having some fun. Because there's a lot of interesting places, especially in Epcot. You know, most of the countries have something interesting in the way of food, so you want to walk along and see a bunch of the food and try out some different things. And one thing that I'll tell you that I told him: if you're with your family and you're walking by, let's say the Marrakech uh, restaurant, the the uh, tangerine cafe, and you see the uh, you see something you want and you order it. Just ask for a lid for it. They put it on a plate, but they will put a plastic lid over it so you can take it with you, and then you go to the next shop. Maybe you go over to the uh, fish and chip shop over in uh, the uh, UK Pavilion, and you get some fish and chips for somebody else in your family. Then you can all find a place to sit down somewhere, and you all eat together, but you've carried your food with you. It's kind of a little tip that you can do, uh, and it makes it kind of a little more compelling. You don't all have to get the same food if it doesn't work for you. Just remember you're still in Epcot. Epcot. And uh, they're happy to let you have the experience however you want to have it. So just a little, little thing. So anyway, that's, uh, that was the other thing, was trying to figure out what to do. We also talked about what to do on the day he arrives because he gets there at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Not going to go in the theme park, but because he's there at the uh, Walt Disney World Resort and he's staying on resort property, he has full use of the uh, various uh, transportation services that they have there so he can go around and see different things. He could do a little resort hopping. I did suggest that maybe he go over to uh, the Contemporary and just hang out, and maybe watch the fireworks, or uh, you know, in, in the end of the evening, or maybe just um, go over there and have a little fun and uh, go to Chef Mickey's if you want. You know, there's different things he could do to just kind of take in the moment. Maybe watch the electrical water pageant go by. You know, find find the schedule for it and just watch it go by. It's something fun to do. And there's you know other things you could do. Go you to know, Disney Springs and hang out and have a little nighttime entertainment. So there's fun things you can do without having to spend a lot of money. And uh, you don't have to go into the theme park. We also talked about the day he leaves, same kind of a thing. He doesn't leave until later in the day. So what if he went and went miniature golfing? You know, you could just go over to uh, the Fantasia mini golf or the uh, winter or summer mini golf and go over there and just have some fun, do a little game of mini golf and enjoy himself for a few minutes before he goes off and does anything else. So there's some opportunities to do some fun things around there. and. You know, one of the things I've discovered is over the years, there's fun things to do in the area, too. Not just at the Disney, right there at Disney, but in the area. There are some fun things to do because it's more tourist-oriented. So even uh, for us, for spring break, we're going to be heading up that way for various reasons, and we're going to be passing through Orlando. So we're going to spend an extra day there just to kind of hang out and make a little staycation of it, sort of, where we just kind of hang out at a resort hotel. Maybe we'll swim in their pool. We'll hang out for a while. We'll just go around and uh, see some of the fun things. We'll do a little mini golfing. We'll try check out a restaurant that's outside of Disney property that we maybe we've wanted to try for a while. Those kinds of things where we can make the most of our experience and really kind of enjoy ourselves without visiting a Disney theme park. So you kind of have to keep that in mind sometimes. It's not always about the theme parks. There's more to be had there, more fun to be had in the area than just going to the theme parks. There's a lot of things to do. Now, some people would say, eh, what's the point? But I like to think of it as sort of that immersive experience. It's about the whole experience. It's not just about that moment you put your ticket at the gate and walk through or you put your magic band at the gate. It's more than that. It's about everything that goes on. And I guess that goes back to my history, the way we used to go up to the parks. Because the Magic Kingdom was the only park they had. They had the Magic Kingdom and they had uh, downtown Disney. And you would go and you would, stay at, you, know, you would stay for a couple of days. You would visit the Magic Kingdom a few times during the day. You would go back and forth. You might go to the hotel and go for a swim. You might go over to downtown Disney. You might go into Kissimmee and do something. Different things that you can do to kind of enjoy yourself, and it's not all about the theme park. And I think that's the thing I try to impress upon people. If you're staying there, enjoy yourself. You know, we're probably not going to go over to Disney while we're there, but we'll do some other things in the area. And my brother will do some things around the Disney theme parks. You know, Just go over to, the, to uh, somewhere in the Walt Disney World Resort area and do some things. As long as he's a resort guest, no problem. He can do whatever, you know, whatever he likes there. Take it all in and take advantage of it. So that's my feedback to everyone. Enjoy it. Take it in. Have fun with it. So there you go. That's my podcast for this week. It's sort of a look at Disney planning in a different sense and trying to make the most of your vacation and take it in and make, pick the things that you want to do so you can really enjoy yourself and make the most of it. And if money is the object, then try to economize where you can. So that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Disney view podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading.